with me in the studio, Jill Rutter, who covers Brexit at UK in a changing Europe. You, your group brought out some, some economic forecasts last week. Yes, it did. It brought out a comparison between uh, the sort of direction that Theresa May was headed in for the long-term relationship and the what we might expect for a sort of Boris Johnson deal. Because, you know, the Chancellor has said he's not produced any economic analysis. It really isn't about the economy, sort of not the economy, stupid. But we thought it was worth having a look and saying, actually, from what we can tell, which is a bit sketchy, where was Theresa May heading? Where's Boris Johnson heading? And what's clear from the political declaration that accompanying document is that Boris Johnson really wants a much looser relationship with the EU and that's why that puts up potentially bigger barriers to UK trade with the EU so in itself that creates a bigger hit on the economy um, than Theresa May's deal. We said he might compensate a bit by being a bit more liberal on immigration. Theresa May was always the barrier to a liberal migration policy. Um, He might be a bit less restricted, that might get you uh, a percentage point or so back but under Boris Johnson you're potentially looking at about a uh, after 10 years about a 6.7% hit to GDP from his deal he might compensate mm. through other measures but uh, but we haven't seen the government's estimates yet well exactly on our program uh, last week um we I interviewed Priti Patel the home secretary about uh, about uh, in, in part your report and the work you did and asked her what many MPs are asking today which is why can't we see the government's own uh, forecasts and uh, we had uh, quite a conversation, and we'll be able to bring you that clip in uh, in just a second. Do we have it now? Here it is. Here's part of that conversation with Priti Patel. I have seen, what I have seen are the real details of the deal in terms of the political declaration. Yes, but what about an economic assessment of the impact? Have you seen that? I think it's important to reflect on the economic freedoms that we will have going forward. But have you seen an economic assessment of what the deal will do? Well, it's it's impossible to put together based on political declaration and ongoing negotiations. It's not impossible at all. Well, actually, Eddie, it is, because first of all, the point about this deal... Well, UK and a changing Europe has done it. If, if I can finish... Well, if you can of, deal with the question. If, you haven't seen an economic asses- point, assessment of the impact, have you? The point of this new deal right now is to get Brexit done and to have a discussion, well, debate tomorrow... Worry about the economics in, later. ...votes in Parliament. Well, at, actually, if I may, the economics around not just the future economic well-being of our country, but also there are many other aspects as well to this deal which aren't just about the economics, um, security, cooperation, and many other aspects. The point about the economic future of our country will be subject obviously not just to future discussions a future partnership but also free trade arrangements but the key point about getting a deal Eddie is that we will leave with a smooth transition and it'll enable all businesses to plan and prepare and work with government as well to deliver the economic security and prosperity of our country Well Downing Street says there is an official economic analysis of the impact of the deal but it won't be produced until after the vote so MPs will be voting not knowing what the government thinks the economic impact will be. That was Friday's programme. Jill Rutter, what do you think of um, that reasoning? It's quite bizarre. I mean, where Priti Patel is undoubtedly right is that compared to leaving with no deal, uh, leaving with an orderly deal is less disruptive for the economy. So we can sort of give her that. She could have also pointed to the fact that the government did do and published under Theresa May an economic analysis of various scenarios. And actually, the numbers it gave were pretty similar to the sorts of numbers that UK and Changing Europe came out with uh, a couple of weeks back. So she could have pointed to those. I think the really interesting thing is she mentions these new freedoms. Now, we know from the government's own economic analysis that it really doesn't expect much to come through new trade deals. You know, the 
government economists frankly through everything at trying to produce an estimate of uh, positive benefits of trade deals after all Theresa May wanted to be able to point to that and they found it was pretty minimal they made really heroic assumptions about the UK doing trade deals with 15 major trading blocks in a very limited amount of time and the EU doing no deals with those countries so it was all upside and they only added after 15 years I think about 0.2 to 0.3 percent uh, to national income, so pretty minimal, sort of lost in the roundings. The interesting thing I think there is what is the government assuming about new freedoms that it can use after we leave the EU? Because we've heard one of the big issues for the Labour Party is that this is a plot to right, open right. a door to a deregulation paradise. Is that actually what the government is doing? Is that what its modelling shows? Because I think MPs might say, well, actually, Boris Johnson gave quite a lot of commitments, actually, to protections which aren't in the bill at the moment when he was speaking he was under pressure on where are consumer protections there'd be in the bill where are environmental protections well we've got our big new environment bill workers protections the protections currently on the face of the bill are incredibly weak ministers just have to say is this lowering you stand from lowering you stands or not it doesn't put any sort of floor so i think it'd be really interesting to know and of course the weaker those protections, the less access we'll get to EU markets because the EU will say, if you want pretty well barrier-free access to our markets, guys, you've got to compete on the level playing field because otherwise you'll undermine our ability to maintain those standards. I want to hear your view on uh, what's happening today and tonight. We'll get to that, if we may, right after the news at 5.18. Here's Thomas Watts. 23, there'll be two votes in the House of Commons in the next couple of hours. Arguably the most important one is about how much time MPs will have to debate Boris Johnson's withdrawal agreement bill. We've had all sorts of signals this afternoon from Downing Street sources, or maybe it's just the one Downing Street source. Who could it be? And Theo uh, Usherwood, our political editor, is here with more news. We've got a bit of well, I say clarity, Downing Street changing its position a bit from uh, earlier saying that um, it wanted 10 days um, in order to get the bill through 10-day extension from the European Union. So what they're now saying, um, and this is obviously off the back of the Prime Minister saying that if the programme motion setting out that tight timetable to pass the legislation um, falls, that it's defeated in the House of Commons, then the Prime Minister Boris Johnson saying at the dispatch box he'll call a general election. So now they've, they've softened again. Uh-huh. <laughs> These number 10 sources. Uh, PM. some political Viagra, don't they? <laughs> PM will be calling EU leaders tonight, making clear our policy remains that we leave on the 31st of the 10th, October the 31st, and that no delay should be offered. If the European Union accepts Parliament's request, of course, this, they took the letter from Parliament and photocopied and sent it, but Boris Johnson said it wasn't his request, he just sent it, so I'm just saying that. If the EU accepts Parliament's request for delay until January, that's January the 31st, then as the PM has made clear in the House, we will pull the bill and call a general election. But of course they can't call a general election without Jeremy Corbyn's support. Which brings us back to Jill Rutter, who covers Brexit at UK in a changing group. Can you make sense of this, Jill? Well, I think what's happening is an all-out effort by Number 10 to put the frighteners on people to make them genuinely think that uh, that they may uh, that they need to vote for this programme motion. So I think this is why we're hearing all these noises off. The Prime Minister needs to watch it, though, because if he 
is actually saying. Of course, it's just the unnamed source at the moment, rather than Prime Minister taking responsibility. But if he actually did call EU leaders and tell them that they must turn down the request, then actually there's a Scottish court sitting there waiting to watch him frustrate uh, frustrate the Ben Act. And uh, he'd rapidly find himself in contempt, I think. So I think he'd better not do that. He was staying pretty close to the wind with his accompanying letter at the weekend. That is a very good point because, of course, Boris Johnson in the third letter, the one after Mm. Tim Barrow sent, Mm. said it was merely the wish of the British British Prime Minister that we leave on October Mm. the 31st. And then under the Padfield Convention, Mm. where you can't do exactly the opposite, um, then you end up in a situation where you would break the law because you are doing exactly the same, doing exactly the opposite of what the law requires you to do. So, 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 yeah. So he can't go out um, fully out. I think the EU sort of knows the Prime Minister's view, but clearly he is trying to trying to say it's always been clear that you have to find some way to get MPs to vote for something they fundamentally don't want because you've taken their better option off the table. And he knows that a lot of MPs are frightened about no deal, and that's why he's clearly keen to try and say, well, OK, uh, you can have a bit of extra time for this, but if you don't pass it, then we're heading for no deal and try and get those people who are very reluctant to support this to come on side. But it is, uh, I'm sure you've covered this earlier, it is a ludicrous ask to get Parliament to cover off this bill in two and a half days. It's big, as I think you have Rory Stewart thumping it down on the dispatch box. It's got loads of complicated things that we haven't seen before. I mean, just one thing people are picking up is something on citizens' rights, where the Home Office is saying that any citizen who's not got settled status by the end of December 2020, I think, or whatever the deadline is, is liable, you know, instantly to be illegal. There are lots of things that you'd normally expect Parliament to want to pick over and actually should pick over. Jill, thank you very much. Good to see you. We'll uh, watch what happens tonight and we'll hear it with uh, Ian Dale here on LBC. Jill Rutter there from UK in a changing Europe.